and welcome to Make Good, the podcast about yarn and knitting from Scratch Supply Co. We're recording today in downtown Lebanon, New Hampshire, and we're really excited to be here. I'm Karen. And I'm Jessica. We're going to talk about a particular type of fabric today. Yay! We're talking about garter stitch. Can I start us off with a historical fun fact? Sure. The word garter is actually a whole lot older than the word stockinette, and it dates back to the 1300s. Originally, the word garter referred to bands of fabric that were tied around the tops of your stockings to keep them from wiggling down your leg as you went about your day. And the name for the actual stitch that we use as knitters was taken from the name of those fabric bands. Apparently, history tells us, that garters were knit using garter stitch, which is a more elastic fabric than stockinette stitches. Oh, because of the way it's constructed, it's stretchy in the same way that ribbing is stretchy. Except instead of being stretchy horizontally across columns the way ribbing is, it's stretchy, I'm going to say vertically, across rows. Mm -hmm. It's snappy and bouncy in a functional way and has a lot of squish, which I think would maybe make it feel better tied around your leg. Yeah, I'm picturing a band of like 20 stitches that you'd make long enough instead of casting on the whole circumference of your leg. That's cool. That's really smart. When I was booping around online looking for some historical info for y'all, I also discovered the earliest mention of garter stitch in a book. I mean, I didn't discover it. Some (laughs) historical researcher discovered it at some point, but I found record of their work. (laughs) And it was in a book in the year 1840 called The Lady's Assistant for Executing Fancy and Useful Designs in Knitting, Netting, and crochet work. In strict accordance, as shall be shown with the nice and accurate prophecies of Agnes Nutter. <laughs> crochet spelled with two T's. Of course. Mm-hmm. And it was written by a Scottish businesswoman who also apparently was a fiber arts author. And it's kind of a beautiful little book. And on the website archive.org, somebody has helpfully scanned it So you can page through the book and get to see the beautiful texts that knitters used to have to rely on. And we'll link to it in the show notes if you are interested in either old books or knitting-related content or both. As an aside, when you find it and start looking through the book, it's actually the first set of instructions for any knitting in the book. There's like a glossary at the front, and then the first thing it tells you how to do is how to create garter stitch. Well, that makes sense because if you assume that you're knitting flat, garter stitch is actually the fabric that requires the smallest number of skills to do correctly. Mm -hmm. Assuming you're not doing increases or something, but just creating the fabric. Yeah. Once somebody gets stitches on the needles for you or you find a way to figure it out, (laughs) if you've got a knit stitch, you can make garter stitch fabric. Right. Because the way you make garter is assume you're knitting flat, you're going to knit across your needles, you're going to turn your work, and then you're going to knit back across to where you started. Turn it again, you're just knitting back and forth, and it creates that sort of vertically bumpy fabric. If you're looking at the right side of your knitting, you have a row of knit stitch and then a row of purl stitch, except you did knit stitch on both sides because you're turning your work. Mm-hmm. And if you're newer to knitting, Those pearl bumps that are visible are called garter ridges. So sometimes in a pattern, you'll see instruction to create a garter ridge, and that's actually two rows of knitting, not one. 
Oh. Mm-hmm. Because you need a row of knit, which is like your foundation fabric, I suppose. And then the backside of that knit stitch, what appears visually as the pearl, is your raised stitch that's in relief. It's the ridge that pops out against the knit. So some characteristics of garter stitch. It's really stretchy because of the corrugation. Mm -hmm. You have that sort of standing up and down. It gives you a lot of elasticity, which if you picture, you know, tying the top of your stockings, like it's going to be really elastic. And it doesn't curl on the edge. You know how stockinette stitch does if it's flat. That's why we put ribbing on a lot of our stuff. Yeah, the curl factor of stockinette is one of the most frustrating memories I have as an early knitter. Right? (laughs) It was baffling to me. I was positive I was doing something wrong, and I was powerless to make it stop. I was a self-taught knitter. So I didn't have the support of knitting friends or mentors. I didn't have access to instructors in, say, a local yarn shop. So I was just creating a fabric once I learned how to purl that was flat, and my stitches felt beautiful, and I was really proud of myself, and then the edges would just suck themselves under. Right? (laughs) Baffling to me. As far as edges go, though, with garter stitch, you don't have that problem. And because garter is kind of like a bumpy fabric, if you want your edges to look a little bit more tidy, sometimes designers will tell you to slip the first stitch of every row and it gives you a cleaner edge. Are you slipping purlwise or knitwise when you do that? You're slipping knitwise because it's at the beginning of the row that you're working, which is a row of knit stitches in whatever direction you're going. Unless the designer, for some reason, wants you to slip pearl-wise, and then they'll tell you in the pattern. So if you wanted to make garter stitch and you were knitting in the round, how would you do that? So to create garter fabric, knitting three-dimensionally, like a garter stitch hat or the sleeve of a garter stitch sweater, you are no longer just knitting. You are knitting your first row, or round in this case. And then you're purling your second round. So you're alternating. And what you're doing is creating the same fabric that you do from knitting every row flat. So you get this great kind of reversible symmetrical textile. Whether it's something you intend to wear that way or not is one thing. But you've given yourself that aesthetic option. I think that garter stitch has a lot of appeal. It's a nice fabric. It's really thick compared to stockinette. Even though you're casting on the same number of stitches, you're working yarn in the same way. If you were to swatch with the same yarn and needles, a little stockinette square and a little garter square, you're going to end up with different gauge. Oh, for sure. Your stitches are behaving differently in that fabric construction. And because garter is more textured than stockinette, you've got that like squish factor. Right, you're going to end up with different gauge, both horizontally and vertically, probably. Mm-hmm. And oof, I'm not going to pretend I don't have to do this every time I do a gauge swatch, or I'm trying to calculate gauge from something that isn't technically a gauge swatch. <laughs> so you like lay it out with whatever your little guide is. I have to physically touch the right leg of every knit stitch. Not necessarily with my hands, because my hands are human hand size, but like (laughs) Uh I have to take like a DPN or a blocking pin or something and just touch, touch, touch. Otherwise, I lose count. It's a disaster. And it's even worse for me on garter stitch because there's like visual distraction. That's just how I have to do it. 
I love how different all knitters do things. Like you touch the right leg of your stitch. I take a DPN or a blocking pin or something and I poke it right in the middle of the knit (laughs) stitch hole. I'm like, these are my little V's, boop, right in the middle. And that's how I know that I'm counting them correctly for me to be able to figure out where I am in this fabric. I have a really hard time keeping track of which hole is the middle of a stitch and which one is in between stitches. So that's why I have to alternate. Mm -hmm. If I can get it right one time and I'm just going every other one, it's a lot of struggle. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what it is? It's attention to fine detail. Yes. That is varying degrees of easy or not easy to look at depending on the colors of your yarn, depending on the fiber content. Some stitches are like, bam, I'm a stitch, and it's really easy to identify. (laughs) And then, for example, my Rhinebeck sweater that I knit using a boucle yarn that was a blend of wool and alpaca. Who knows what my age was? (laughs) Like, it was a total surprise. I knew how many stitches I had cast on for my gauge swatch, and I was like, great, we're just measuring this and doing a little division. It was not how many stitches are in this inch. It's how many inches is this square? I know how many stitches I cast on gauge process because they were so difficult to look at. Right. Yeah. Those stitches were lost in a little furry alpaca forest. Mm -hmm. That's okay. We're knitters. We have creative solutions (laughs) to all sorts of struggles we possibly create for ourselves. All of that being said, if you are accustomed to knitting stockinette stitch with like this particular yarn, let's say you knit with the wool stock a lot, you knit a lot of stockinette top-down sweaters, you decide you're going to knit a garter stitch hat, you're going to need to check your gauge because it will be different even if you know your gauge on stockinette. It may not be wildly different. It may be wildly different. Some people have very different gauge in a different type of fabric. Mm -hmm. Surprise! Knit those swatches. So what are some ways that you might choose to use garter stitch in a project that you're working on? Hmm. There are all sorts of different ways. (laughs) And I think it's kind of nice to revisit garter stitch, to think about it in terms of what are the possibilities in my knitting practice, because I think there's a tendency for knitters to be in a constant state of progression. We're always wondering what new skill we can build what new thing we can learn. And a lot of us are driven to really advance our skill set and our techniques. So once you master garter stitch, I think there's a fair number of us who are kind of like, well, that was my starter stitch. And you kind of leave it behind. Yeah. You know, I'm going to go do more complicated things. Once you learn how to purl, you feel like you're graduating from garter stitch. It's like a psychological thing. You're like, oh, I don't have to make just that anymore. And it's true. You don't have to make just that anymore. But it's still something that is worth making and gives really good results. Mm-hmm. So let's revisit. Let's fall back in love with garter stitch and think about some different ways to use it. You can use garter stitch as your all-over fabric in a project, whether it's a garment or an accessory. And this is actually one of my favorite ways to use garter stitch, particularly in shawls and wraps. I like them to be squishy, and sometimes you just need that not overly complicated, easy to do while you're tired or watching a movie or whatever kind of project. And we're going to recommend just a handful of projects that are good examples of this. 
But for all over fabric, I think the Melting Marl Shawl by Stephen West is a great example. It's a really big, squishy crescent shawl, and it's full of different color transitions. I'm suggesting this pattern is something to look at because the color transition piece is my personal favorite reason for using garter stitch in my shawls. I have a little just simple garter stitch triangle shawl that I wear all the time. It's great when it's not too freezing or there's a little chill. It's the right size for that. But I picked up a bunch of single skeins of Indie Dyed Yarn at a Trunk show that we hosted. And I use them all together in that shawl. And I find that using garter stitch really softens color transitions in a way that stockinette can't do. Right. When you have stockinette fabric and you can see like it's just knit stitches stacked on top of each other on the front side of your fabric, they nestle into each other. So it's like a line of red and a line of orange. But when you look on the back side, there's the transition row where you can see those colors interlock. And that's fine, but I like to kind of blur that and hide <laughs> it. So when you're knitting in garter stitch, I find that those transition pieces where your colors are interlocking are less stark. It's less visible. Yeah. So high recommend for garter for hiding things. It's like a filter for your knitting. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that works really well with patterns by designers like Stephen West who are playing with color. And it's not just sort of incidental to a color work pattern. Stephen West patterns are almost always some kind of color work, but they're not like, this is a motif of hearts across the yoke of my sweater. The color working with each other is the whole point. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Another fun way to use garter stitch in your projects is as sturdy, flexible edges. I think there's a tendency to just kind of assume you've got edge work on a project that's a garment, so you use ribbing, some type of ribbing, one by one, two by two, one by three, whatever the case may be, ribbing is kind of the gold standard. But it doesn't have to be. You can use garter stitch instead and get a different visual effect and still have the stretchiness and the flexibility that ribbing gives you, but with a totally different aesthetic. So I knit a cardigan a couple of years ago. It was the Afield cardigan, and the designer was Fiona Alice. It was in, I want to say, the winter 2019 issue of Pom Pom that had a lot of really good texture in it. There are still a couple of patterns I really want to go back and knit from that issue. And it used a garter stitch. It was an open, no-button cardigan, and it used garter stitch for the where the button band would be, like the edge. It also used garter stitch for the sleeves knit in the round. The body of this thing had slip stitch, slanted faux brioche kind of thing, which, oof, that's a story. It was beautiful. It's a really gorgeous cardigan. And I will tell you, I was knitting it at our New Year's Eve, not really a slumber party. And I was like, I get this. I understand. I know what I'm doing. And incorrect because it was... <laughs> It was mirrored and reversed, and I had to frog that whole thing like first thing New Year's morning. It was so depressing. But even though the sleeves were knit in the round, they were in garter stitch, which I have to say, as somebody who doesn't love purling, I get a little <laughs> salty about long, large amounts of fabric in the round in garter stitch because I'm like, I could just be knitting. If they had just been knit, they wouldn't have gone with the rest of the cardigan. There was a reason. Right. But that was an impressive piece. I love that sweater, and there was a lot going on. It was beautiful. Yes. 
So specifically the garter neckband inner edging on the cardigan really gave it that structure because it was big and heavy. It was a ton of fabric. And I think if that hadn't been there, it might have been one that like slowly became a duster where it just like (laughs) keeps growing down. That was also the one that has you do a three needle bind off reversed from the normal way you do a three needle bind off. So the join stands up as a ridge, Mm -hmm. which woof, that threw me too. I love that cardigan. (laughs) It was a labor of love. If you're interested in trying a cardigan that has some of those qualities, but is maybe more potato chip knitting, (laughs) like less complicated design features and just here's a palette to experiment with your edge work, Harvest from Tin Can Knits is a good cardigan that has that really simple construction top-down raglan, and it's got the garter neckband wrapping all around, so there are no buttonholes in it. But if you wanted to, that'd be a good place to practice your buttonholes because the garter will hide them in the squish. (laughs) So if you're like, oh, maybe this isn't a buttoned cardigan for me, who cares if there are holes there? No one can see them. (laughs) It's fabric of illusion. (laughs) And then it's got the garter cuffs at the sleeves and the hem at the bottom of the sweater. So that's a cute little cardigan that's a free pattern and great to learn those skills on. Another time that garter is fun is as a decorative element. And I think your afield cardigan also featured that because it was not all garter stitch. Right. But it was intentional, specific, design-focused garter stitch. But just little sections of it here and there kind of create squish and shaping that's different than the rest of your fabric. So that's kind of neat. A shawl that I really like that features this is called A Break in Tide by Tiff Nealon. And it's a big triangle shawl that's got sections of garter stitch and there are slip stitch sections and then fisherman's ribs. So this thing is super squishy and fun to play with color and texture. There's also a book that came out pretty recently by Brandy Cheyenne Harper. The title of the book is Knitting for Radical Self-Care, and it has a lot of really beautiful projects that feature garter stitch. The projects that are in this book are largely knit with bulky yarn, and between that and the texture that the garter stitch gives these projects, they look very modern. They're just really cool. Specifically, the Alay jacket, the Audrey cowl, and the Sola scarf are the ones in there that we think really fit that really well. Mm -hmm. And while we're thinking about garter stitch and design, I just want to give a shout out to the OG knitting pattern for (laughs) garment construction with garter stitch. Elizabeth Zimmerman's baby surprise jacket is a garter stitch masterpiece. I don't know if people are still knitting this. Yes, they are. Sure. They'll never stop. (laughs) Who could stop? People who started knitting this for their own kids are now knitting it for their grandkids. Yes. It's a pattern that's from the late 60s, I think. I could be wrong, though, and it could be the late 50s. It is an old pattern at this point, and it is timeless. It's all garter stitch. If you're not familiar with it, just Google it. There are so many options online. I think the Ravelry Project pages feature like almost 28,000 of them. It's a shocking number, but it's a garter stitch shape, a piece of fabric, and then you fold it in a couple of places and pop in some seams, and then it's a coat. (laughs) It's shocking. And kind of fun. So garter stitch, you are squishy and lovely and give us so many options as knitters. 
You beautiful tropical fish. You're smart as a whip and you're cool under pressure. You've resuscitated a human heart in your bare hands. No, I haven't. You haven't? No. You will. Don't overlook it. <laughs> What's on your needles, Jessica? My Soric. I'm still working on that dress and not very often because I'm also working on other projects, but slow, slow, all stockinette <laughs> knitting. It's a lot of slow skirt knitting. So nothing really exciting to report this week. What's on your needles, Karen? Same. I'm still working on my amber wing socks by Summer Lee. I love them. I love them so much, but they're not done yet. So I'm still working on them. <laughs> they're super cute. Hey, Jessica. Yes, Karen. Are you ready for a letter? I sure am. The letter this week comes from Angela. Hey, Angela. I love knitting Fair Isle, and I use the two-handed method because I find it goes a ton faster. I really want to knit a Fair Isle cardigan, but the two options I know of are both scary to me, i.e. knitting flat, which means purling in Fair Isle with two or more strands in my right hand as I can't currently do a purl stitch with my left hand, or knitting it in the round and steaking, parentheses, insert horror movie scream here. As you wish. Are there any other options that I don't know about, or is there a recipe for converting Fair Isle pullovers into cardigans? Oh, Angela. <laughs> <laughs> I think you know the answer to this question. <laughs> and I think you just wanted to hear someone else say it to you. So I also love a good cardigan and have mixed feelings about Fair Isle because I'm lazy, but it's gorgeous <laughs> and fun to knit. And apparently you also like knitting it faster and not slower. So let's look for a second at your proposal of knitting a Fair Isle cardigan flat. Is it possible? Sure. <laughs> do you want to do it? Doesn't sound like it. <laughs> and that's specifically because purling stranded color work is slow and it's complicated. And I think that it also gives you an additional layer of concern about gauge. Yes. When you're knitting Fair Isle, traditionally you're knitting in the round, and that means that every stitch you're making is a knit. So if you are able to find a comfortable place for tensioning your yarn, your stitches are just what they are. You don't have to worry too much once you get the hang of carrying the floats. But if you're knitting across the front of your fabric and then you're purling across the back of your fabric and you're carrying your floats as well, there's more opportunity for gauge discrepancies, I think. And it's not impossible, but it's a type of knitting that you might not be interested in. And then steaking. So at some point, we're going to need to do a whole episode on steaking because steaking is a process that I think knitters have a lot of feelings about. I'm going to hide under the table for the entire episode. <laughs> and I am going to like bring my pom-poms and just be here to cheer you all on. So steaking, if you don't know what that is, is the process of knitting a project in the round in one piece. Usually it's color work. 99% of the time it's color work. And then securing some stitches and taking scissors to it to cut it open. You might be cutting open the front of a cardigan. 
You might be cutting armholes in the yoke of a sweater or cutting out a placket in the chest of a sweater. You're just cutting your knitting up (laughs) (laughs) and then doing a little bit of finish work. It's a process, but it's totally doable. You can definitely convert a ferrile pullover pattern into a cardigan, but the ways to do that are either playing with the charts and knitting it flat or inserting a steaking panel into that instruction so you can just hack up your sweater once you've finished knitting it. I will say that the way to insert a steaking panel is totally possible. It's not overly complicated. You need to identify where you want the cut to happen. So if you were turning a sweater into a cardigan, that would be the center of the front, unless you want some funky asymmetrical action, which you might. It's fashion. (laughs) But identify where. We're assuming the center of the front. And then in your instruction, in your charting, you're going to insert a section of stitches that are between five and seven stitches wide. And you're going to carry color work across that, not in pattern but in an alternating one-by-one stitch because it helps you easily look at that steaking panel later and it differentiates that section of fabric from the rest of your sweater. So when Jessica says to insert a panel, that's something you have to plan to do before you cast on. Yes. Like you have to cast on that extra number of stitches. Mm -hmm. You're not like doing increases or something. You need those stitches all the way up so you don't run into some kind of fiasco. Yeah, Karen's absolutely right. You're planning extra stitches and not physically sticking a panel in later or (laughs) increasing at all. So thank you for that clarification. So, Angela, you know what you need to do. (laughs) You just have to decide what sounds more appealing. And you know that we're here to cheer you on. So I say make a plan and we will support you. I'm going to say you can do it, Angela. You totally can do it. (laughs) I've seen your color work before. I know what it looks like. Hey, Karen. Yeah? Should we do a quick knit-along check-in? Absolutely. Yeah. So it is February. How is it February? It, okay. (laughs) So it's February, and we are a couple of weeks into our first knit-along of the year, which is the Make Good Stash Down. It's so fun. Y'all are amazing. Lots of people are posting photos of their multiple projects on Instagram and tagging us wildly, and I am here for it. (laughs) I love it. It's so good. We've got socks. We've got shawls. We have sweaters that have been pulled out of abandoned project bags and (laughs) finished with shocking speed. Decorative wall hangings on your front door. All sorts of fun stuff is happening, and we're proud of all of you for conquering your stash. It's definitely not too late to join. So if you've been thinking about it, just jump in at any point. We've definitely had people reach out to us and say, we missed the cast on. Can we still participate? Here's a secret. If you don't know, we don't care when you start. (laughs) Join us at any time. The knit along will run through the end of March. So there's plenty of time to play with your stash and make some amazing things. You don't need to be done by the end of March to participate in this knit along. You don't have to choose a certain pattern. It's a free-for-all. You're making whatever you want. No one can stop you. No. Not (laughs) not even if we tried. The only rules are that you have to find a way to share this image with us, and it's mostly on Instagram. So the hashtag that we're using for this knit-along is hashtag makegoodstashdown. 
please do not put a year on the end of this because I'm not looking at other hashtags and we will <laughs> never see it. If you want to be eligible to win the prize at the end of the knit-along, which is a $150 gift card to Scratch Supply Company, you need to make sure that you are following the Make Good Pod Instagram account and the Scratch Supply Co. Instagram account. And then we will choose at random. Finished or unfinished, it does not matter. Someone's going to win at the end of March. And you are <laughs> going to keep knitting until you finish your project because <laughs> finishing is fun too. I think that might be it for us this week. You can listen to us all over the place. You can subscribe if you haven't done that yet by hitting some kind of subscribe button somewhere on one of your robots. You can rate and review us. It helps other knitters find us. Tell your friends personally, too. Everyone <laughs> loves a good suggestion for a new podcast. You can follow us on Instagram. That's where all the exciting visual stuff happens. Our account is at MakeGoodPod. A super big thank you to all of our Patreon supporters. We love you. We appreciate you. You let us do this every week without ever even thinking about advertising because nobody wants to hear that. You can visit our website, makegoodpod.com. The show notes are there. The show notes are also maybe in your podcast app by swiping some direction. And you can send us questions to dearscratch at scratchsupplyco.com and we will try to answer them. If you're on our website, you can click the little contact us form and fill out a question form there. Or click on the little microphone at the bottom of the page and leave us a voicemail because we absolutely want to hear from you. <laughs> it's the best. Mm -hmm. Talk to you guys next week. Bye. Bye.